in the interest of a safer American home, a happier American community, a more united state. The Shovel Hammer and its affiliated stations bring you The Soul of Detroit. I dedicate this program to the fight against crime. Not only crimes of violence and crimes of dishonesty, but also crimes of intolerance, discrimination, and bad citizenship. Crimes against America. The Red Shovel Network presents another case in the career of M.L. Alred, celebrated fighter of crime. As usual, M.L. invites you to match wits with him as he relates the mystery. And before revealing the solution, he gives you a chance to solve it. Tonight, guest armchair detective who will represent you home armchair detectives is the famous columnist of Daily Variety, Miss Todd Whitzer. And now, here's your host for the next half hour. Thank you, and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. You asked to rob your truck, you rob my truck. gone. What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? That is not paid for by them. That is paid for by the people of Detroit. You might be qualified, Emil. I'm not qualified for this job. Let me tell you something. You want to go right now? Okay? You want to go right now? Hello, my good friends. It is a very dark day in the city of Detroit. Don't, don't check the weather forecast if you're not watching us live on Facebook. Or if you're listening to us... After Tuesday, when this is being recorded, don't don't go back and check the historical record report, the weather report. We have another Detroit City Council person who is preparing this afternoon to plead guilty to public corruption. Now, the city of Detroit changed its charter, its constitution, a decade ago, so that we would have the opportunity to remove people from City Hall who are not worthy to serve, who have broken the law who have betrayed the people, and instead what we've had is a bunch of city council people who sit there and don't say anything. They don't say anything when charges come. They don't say anything when plea deals are entered. And they might, they just might say something after a guilty plea has been entered. That's too late, my friends. That's way too late. In the case of Gabe Leland, it was three years too late. And afterwards, they call for ethics training. Uh, at least one council member called for ethics training uh, you know, I, who needs to take a class to know you can't steal? Who needs to take a class to know you can't vote for contracts that benefit your girlfriend's company? Who needs to take a class to know that the only money you should be taken as an elected official is the money that you are paid by the people of Detroit to do the job or the money that you willfully disclose, which is why last week on Mackinac Island, my campaign unveiled a proposal calling for financial disclosure forms, calling for conflict of interest forms, and requiring not just elected officials and top city officials to fill out these forms, but also vendors, contractors, to study these forms and sign forms indicating that they understand what our city policies are. So that what we don't have happen is someone like our our guest, Michael Bellotta, former federal prosecutor, when he goes to these contractors and says, so you gave this person some money because they said they needed money for X, Y, Z. And they say, hey, dude, I didn't know it was against the law. I'm not a public official. I'm just a guy who digs holes. I'm just a guy who pours asphalt. I'm just a guy who does X, Y, Z. They can't say that they didn't know 
Because if you want to do the business with the city of Detroit, you need to know the rules of the road. It seems ridiculous that you have to have a policy for that or a law. I, don't Michael, we have a commandment for that? I mean, <laughs> well, Michael and I were talking earlier about a bunch of stuff. And I said, it just seems like um, getting delivered a big bag of cash in a lot of situations just isn't a good thing or on the up and up. It seems pretty simple to me. Yeah, so I, I don't mind if you have the capacity to make some money on the side. You just need to let us know so we can decide whether that's influencing you. But before, before we get to all this darkness, I want to... We just got the darkness. I know. Where are the, where are the fireworks that we heard right before we started? We just got the darkness. And by the way, didn't the intro say this was 30 minutes? I was like, oh, my God. Thank fucking God. Okay. I, I know where we can save 30 minutes. Um Thank you, Mark. So, well, what did I do? We're setting up that template. Yeah, so <laughs> I didn't choose it. I want to thank you guys for having me. I thank you, Michael. There. I'm glad you're here. So, Sean, if you had studied the rundown, you would know this is the point where we 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 uh, honor uh, a seven year old boy who died. So, thank you for stepping on that. But no, uh, thank you for beginning that. with but, that. Uh, but yeah, but this is now, I, I know this is not what? how it's done on the Carlos and Sean podcast, but we try and set. I'm the just show reading up the rundown here that you sent out. Okay, and I'm. Well, tell me you, about you're him. Mixing I up the order. He, but I didn't know that's who he okay. was. Does it not say? Does it not say? Uh, this is this is called a tease. This is called setting the oh, scene. This is called giving people something to okay. stick around for. Good. I'm glad you haven't forgotten your TV days. Okay. In <laughs> in in an hour and a half, we're going to have what Sean's up to. There's the another. Are coming back. There's another 19 seconds. Uh, I want to spare you. So uh, when I say Sean, what are you up to? His, uh, that's a good backpack. time. That's a good time to get the cuticle removed. He said, hey, will you hand me the orange shirt today? I want to wear an orange and a, base and a, a ski cap. So, oh, yeah, right here. I've got it in your duffel bag that I'm going to carry around off your right shoulder for the rest of your life. But By the way, my campaign handed out 500 uh, backpacks filled with school supplies. Cool. So, You know what Sean said? Uh, I, I I love, they, I I'm them. fixing to eat these crayons. <laughs> so we did. I should tell you, too, we did have one box of toxic crayons. I just hope they went. Right to Sean. Kid, yeah. All right. So anyways, Martin Hushka, I want to tell you something about Martin Hushka because uh, if you have kids, you know that they are uptight like never before, that they are filled with anxiety, that they are worried about everything, that they live a life that seems to be on the edge all the time, and it can be very taxing for a parent. It can be very stressful, obviously, for the child themselves. But Martin Hushka is a young man who died uh, the other day at the age of seven. Wow. He was someone who people had no expectations of. When he was born, shortly after uh, his birth, which was a joyous occasion for his parents, Robert and Amy, who uh, Sean and I had the pleasure of working with at the Detroit Free Press, he received a diagnosis that shows that... Um, that part of his brain had either not developed or had somehow disintegrated. And I know that sounds bizarre. I know it sounds horrible and I'm not a doctor, so I can't tell you exactly what happened, but basically Martin grew up uh, in a way that, uh, that there were no expectations of him. There wasn't even an expectation that he would live. And instead what his parents did was they took him everywhere. They took him to parties. They took him to work. They took him on trips. Uh, this young guy probably soccer traveled games. more than most people games. did. There's Sean. Sean's here. Okay. Um, and, uh, and there were no expectations of him. Um, and instead of feeling, and I apologize if this sounds harsh, instead of feeling like they had been cursed, like they had been robbed, like they had been burdened, Amy and Robert were two of the lovingest, 
most doting parents you ever met. And Robert, and I don't know if Robert's listening. If he is, I'm going to apologize in advance, was kind of a tool. Robert was kind of an uptight dude, kind of a know-it-all type. Well, that, that's kind of a polite. Yeah, that, that's a harsh word, maybe. That, I think that's the way a lot of people who didn't know him felt. And, and having Martin in his life revealed a side of Robert that people didn't know. An eloquence, a depth, a kindness, a character, a sensitivity. Having Martin unlocked the full Robert. Martin showed the whole world who Robert was, which was an incredibly kind and thoughtful man. Now, we always knew Amy was an angel, but this also opened her heart in a way that, uh, that uh, few people have the opportunity because you always have hopes for your kids. You put pressure on your kids. You're disappointed in your kids. And these folks, at least as far as I could tell, never ever had any regrets, any disappointments, anything like that from Martin. And the reason why I tell you all of this is because we all have people in our lives who let us down, I'm looking at one of them. Right? I'm not looking at Sean. That's a nice way to look oh, at so the I'm world. looking at Sean. I'm looking stop, at Sean. But anyways, stop for a second. <laughs> That's a nice way to look at the world as a, as a transaction. Are you going to do something for me or not? And if you don't, you're going to let me down. Come on. So if I could finish the sentence. You did let me down, <laughs> for the record. But um, Or I would finish the monologue. But, okay. But, but I wish I could finish the thought. But Thanks, somebody, thanks for coming in, Michael. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> but, but what, what happened is... We all worry about our kids, and our kids all worry about what they're going to do. The Hushka family only worried about how much time they were going to have together. And so the reason why I tell you their story is not because I love Ryan. Uh, Ryan, Ryan, that's, that's Robert's brother. Actually, I like Robert better than Ryan. So not because I want to tell you about how I feel about Robert and Amy, but because we should all be thinking about that, that sometimes the most important thing is just to be a part of each other's lives and to be grateful for that time that we have and not get so hung up on what are we doing and where are we going and why isn't this person doing what I think they should be doing, Sean? Why isn't this person doing what they're supposed to be doing, Sean? What is this person not doing what we talked about, Sean? And, and just sort of enjoy being the presence. And, and, and so, so I just wanted to share that at the beginning of the show, because uh, I was at, at uh, Martin's, uh, uh, I'm going to call it a celebration yesterday. And we've been to a lot of funerals during this campaign. It's all floods and funerals, frankly. But every time one of these things happen, it just kind of feels like you're reminded how precious life is and how much people can impact other people's lives and how much even a kid like Martin, where there were no expectations, uh, fulfilled every hope and dream of being uh, unlocking love and and uh and feeling in lives and uh and that's pretty cool and 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 i wanted to mention that because i think he was a, a ray of light and right now especially looking at city council it seems like we have a lot of uh a lot of bleakness just to just to add a, a quick thought because you, you're right I, yeah don't let it resonate i worked with uh robert namey and <clears throat> Excuse me, excuse me, at the Free Press. You're the one who told me it was a tool. I always liked him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. That's what I said. D -d -dis well, I'm trying to clean it trying up. Trying to fix be it. Yeah. Just yeah, be serious just for, just, just for a second. What, what was beautiful about all of this, 
I mean, I never. My, I, I'm trying to clean it up by throwing I know, shit under the bus. I know. I never. I never met That'd Martin. It'd be a big bus. I never met Martin, but obviously, lots of people did. Hundreds, hundreds, and hundreds, maybe more than that, did. And just to paint a quick picture, he he was in a wheelchair, right? When he went out, I mean, he couldn't. He couldn't really do much. I don't know that he's he didn't really speak at all, right? I mean, but he could communicate with his face, and he could he could laugh and and giggle and so forth. Giggle but, bombs. But a lot of a lot of giggle parents. Bombs. Some parents when they yeah exactly that's a great phrase. Some parents when they have a kid like that they 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 bunkered down, right? Robert and Amy did not do that. They took Martin out into the world, and not just this country, but they, they he traveled internationally. And Robert, as you know, is a huge he would call it football, but soccer fan. And so Martin became sort of a, a soccer fan and went to matches all over the place. And part of the part of the celebration of his life the last few days, especially on social media, has been from soccer clubs and football clubs from or, or, or all over the place, kind of talking about Martin. It's it's just been a beautiful thing about how many folks he affected and touched, and it's because they shared him with the world, and um, and weren't afraid. And the, and that's not easy. And I always really admired that courage. And uh, for what it's worth, Martin could still beat Sean in a foot race. I'm sure he could have. So, anyways, um, just wanted to, uh, yeah, to share that with you because nice, I think nice add on there. I think I think uh, there's a lot of vitriol out there, and I think when we there's have a lot something of vitriol special, yeah, well, just stick around, especially don't, before the show. Don't don't go anywhere uh, unless you feel strongly. I heard ML yell like that. I got scared. We're gonna, we're gonna, Did you? I was going to report him to HR. Very few people have seen Angry ML. It's not pretty. I've heard it. It's before. not pretty. I don't think you have. Believe me, just wait. It's still there. That's just, that was. Oh, I could probably. That, say that was the first drop of lava you from just the think Vesuvius. I'm a, a, but, you know, pasty, slow, dim-witted, uh, hippie, patchouli oil, <clears throat> Birkenstock wearing nothing. That's not true. You're not but, dim-witted. But I can. Uh, I could get kind of worked up myself. Somewhat, somewhat, uh, somewhat. My little southern, soft, soft-headed. Not me. Southern, okay. southern charm can. So, um, Fade. as as Michael was saying a minute ago, um, he thinks Row O'Brien is a great place to get a vehicle. Uh, not. <laughs> yes, I always go there. Okay, you do. Okay, great. There we go. Um, trusted counselor, uh, uh, seeker of justice, now defender of the uh, of the uh, indicted, or even those who just are charged with an information. Um, Michael Bellata says you should go to Row O'Brien Ford. It's the place to go. And if he's wrong, of course, he's a lawyer, so he can defend himself against any lawsuit you might file. But I don't think that's not be wrong. Necessary. No, he's, he's pretty right. My mom got a, uh, a red Ford Focus wagon there. It's still going strong. She's still happy. And if she's not happy, she'll hit you with a wooden spoon. So Royal Brian Ford is the place to go if you're looking for a new ride. They've been there for 75 years at the corner of Nine Mile and Mac and St. Clair Shores. If you don't feel like going in person, check out RoyO'Brien.com. That's R-O-Y-O-B-R-I-E-N.com. And check out Fast Track, which lets you choose your vehicle and options. You can pick your deal, lease, finance, or cash, get the value of your trade-in, apply for financing, and schedule delivery of a new ride. They've got used cars, new cars. You can buy, you can lease, you can do it all at RoyO'Brien.com. If you don't feel like going online, give them a call at 888-566-5851 and let them know that you got the good word about Roy from ML here on The Soul of Detroit. Mm-hmm. So Michael Bellotta has been sitting here patiently. In fact, he almost he thought he was going to pick up a client here. But uh. yeah. Thanks for inviting <laughs> me to this very uplifting show. Well, Mike, I'm, I'm glad you could make it. I know you got here early and we started late, but that's all the time we have. Yeah. So um, <laughs> At least you skipped over the uh, Cyrus, veils. Cyrus, take us out. 
ML and Vale's major policy on islands. So we skipped already over covered that. One, so Thanks for being did, there. We did cover that. Up. We did cover that. Once again, this run is what this was the policy. Is this rundown print? Does this does this rundown print? What was in the policy? An, does it print an invisible ink in some printers? All I heard was darkness and more councilmen are corrupt I mean, and so this, forth. What was the policy? That's why he called uh, for the policy. Okay, so yeah. that was uh, financial disclosure forms, conflict of interest forms, and I also want to take away city council members' free cars. There you go. Wow, that was quick. You I did it a lot quicker this time. I know. I set it up. You 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 not congeal. That what's the what's the word we want, Mike? Yeah, I want to take it back. That dimwitted thing. I think that was that was. That was was accurate. Oh, I was I'm just. Gonna, I was I'm going to come back on that. Startled by your, you know, dark eulogy. So, dark eulogy. I think. Well, I have to play it back. I don't know. It's, I just can't believe you said all those horrible things about Robert. That was not cool. Um, that's that's your style. It say something and then defer. Not defer, but throw the blame somewhere else. Um, if they have no. Is this, is this? Does Carlos go through this? Does Carlos? Can can both the people have listened to the Carlos and Sean podcast tell me whether this is what happens every week? And 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 Tad, you don't count. You have to listen to because you're the producer. <laughs> can the other person who listens to the Carlos and Sean podcast please let me know if this is how it works over there? What? No. Oh, okay. Sorry. It's 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 the one listener. He just said he he left his podcast running. He didn't mean to listen. To it. That's okay. So Michael, um, Andre Spivey, my councilman. Yes is going to Detroit, uh, downtown Detroit, to the uh, federal courthouse, and he's scheduled at 3 o'clock today to plead guilty to cons conspiracy to commit bribery. Is this a case that you worked on? It's a case I worked on a little bit and before I left the office. In tell us everything that you swore not to tell yes, people. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> I can't talk about some things, but what is interesting, I think, um, when you look at the charge that he's pleading to, I'll point this out, he's pleading to a conspiracy to commit bribery, which is a lesser charge, actually, than just a bribery charge, because conspiracy um, has a five-year statutory maximum, whereas just a flat bribery charge has a 10-year maximum. So he's giving a break there, and then we heard from his counsel that he's been cooperating with the government for a year now. So that's also interesting. Um, so Michael Bellotta, as a federal prosecutor, has been uh, busting uh, wayward public officials in Detroit for 20 years? Yeah, about 23 years. 23 years. Damn, you don't look that old. Um, and, uh, and Spivey, so if he's getting conspiracy to commit bribery, is somebody being charged with bribery? I mean, who did he conspire with, and why isn't somebody being charged with the bribery charge? When you, the fact that you said that um, is important. Con conspiracy requires another person to commit a crime. And you can't conspire with an informant. So let's say that uh, Spivey was paid by an uh, FBI informant, for example, then he wouldn't be charged in pleading guilty to conspiracy. So there has to be another person who committed the crime as well. So that's a astute point, um, even though you're wearing an orange shirt. <laughs> this is, this is Cote d'Ivory, a, a Didier Drogba tribute jersey. But, but so is the person he conspired with public official A? Astute. Very astute. Yeah, yeah very astute. Obscure, too. Astute and obscure. Like He's smart. Um, what was the question? Uh, so so you said he has to conspire with somebody. You can't conspire. It's sort of you can't have a one-handed clap when it comes to corruption. Who, who's the other person? Who, is, are is they being charged? Is public official A the person he conspired with, and why have they not been charged? Or is, is the other person he conspired with someone who set him up? I can't answer that question as oh. far as, as specific names, but I will tell you generally the fact that they, they charged him with conspiracy means there's somebody else that committed the crime. Now, the question is, can 
the federal government prove that beyond a reasonable doubt. There might be still gathering evidence, and that's why you don't see that other person charged yet. And I will say things have slowed down since the, the um, pandemic. So they're still doing grand jury, I know, and so there could be something coming, you know, sometime this year. The, the fact that there's an election when you're dealing with public corruption cases, you don't want to charge somebody the day of an election. But you also try not to, to think about that when you're deciding to bring charges because you don't want to affect it either way. Now, if, if they wait to indict other people, for instance, you, they might get you know feedback against waiting, saying, hey, why didn't you tell the, the electorate that these people were committing crimes? Why did you wait until after the election? So it's kind of a, you know, darned if you do, darned if you don't. And this is a podcast. Damned. Damned if you do, damned if you don't. <laughs> we're, yeah, we're on, the, we're on the interweb, so you can, yeah, so. can use some of those bad words Sean uses sometimes. But the timing is really interesting. The timing's interesting, but then, you know, again, this guy's been cooperating for a year, according to his attorney. So, you know, the, he could have been charged earlier. So what, what seems to be happening, just looking at from the outside, is that whatever cooperation that he's been able to give, he's given it because he wouldn't then go public and plead guilty, right? Mm-hmm. So everything is, is probably on tape now that he's been able to do. So it's just a matter of the prosecution, the, the assistant U.S. attorney who's assigned to the case deciding whether they have enough to then bring charges against other individuals. Could it, could it be Scott Benson? Could it be Janae Harris? It could be. They, they, obviously, there's probable cause to believe there's, there's, they've committed a crime because there were search warrants served at both of their houses and their, and their offices. It's well, that, that timing seems to be also interesting. I mean, Spivey's not running, but they are. Um, true. So is that, is that a manner of like, oh, we got to do this before the election, even though we don't want you? Because know, the FBI does not want to. I mean, we saw that. With the federal, the presidential elections, they don't want to get involved. Yeah, you don't want to get involved, but when things are ripe, when things are ready to go, you don't want to also sit on it and wait. Yeah. Because then you're, then you're, 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 you're trying to affect it in another way. What did know? you make of the show of how it was done? It was, it was public, but then again, I mean, they're not going to do a search warrant at, you know, after midnight or something mm-hmm. when everybody's not there. So it's pretty much, the, if you're... The FBI can do search warrants of people's houses. A lot of times that'll happen and no one will know, especially when you're trying to cooperate someone. So you, you go and you, you make – the FBI will make a soft approach, a call a lot of times. Hey, this is the FBI. We have a search warrant for your house. And then then the person, if they're cooperative, will say, yeah, come on in. And the neighbors don't even know. And the, you know the, the FBI can, can show up in plain clothes and not make a big show of it. But when you're talking about FBI agents going to, to the city hall, to the, you know, to the Coleman Young Municipal Center, you're going to get – you know, you're going to get this show. Um, but but when you call, do you say, and by the way, I'm around the corner, so don't bother starting fires? I mean, because it's like, I can be there in an hour. I'm like, oh, shit, I got an hour to start uh, shredding stuff. No, you, they're usually outside. Okay. Um, and, so and, it's and, like, if you're wondering who that is on the porch, it's me, the FBI. Exactly. Sometimes the, I sometimes can put on my jacket with the big yellow letters, or I can just wear this windbreaker that says Oakland Hills Caddy. <laughs> association. Well, like in the Morocco investigation, for instance, we we wanted to approach Dino Bucci, who was the bag man for Anthony Morocco. So who's the Macomb County Public Works Commissioner, who is awaiting trial, right, on on public corruption. He is, and Dino Bucci was called by the FBI and invited to a coffee at Starbucks, and so. Um, the feds always overpay for coffee with our tax dollars. They, they, <laughs> you couldn't, you couldn't go to Tim's or Speedway. The agents probably personally paid for it. Um, we'd like to see those receipts, but go ahead. Um, but, but yeah, so, so the, the, he was approached in a quiet way. And the reason for that is because we want to 
the FBI wants to preserve the ability for that person to cooperate. If they do these, when they do these big shows, as you mentioned, that's pretty much the investigation's over, right? The, at least the covert part of it. The overt part, you know, subpoenaing documents or bringing people into the grand jury um, where everybody's tipped off, that, that can come secondary. So usually we get the covert stuff out of the way first, and then you move into the, you know, the, the putting on the show and the search and all that. So does that mean that they thought they had all the evidence they were going to get when they executed these search warrants? Or does it mean they're like, oh boy, we better get some of this other stuff before it's either destroyed or to make sure we didn't miss something or because our case is kind of weak and we better we better beef it up? Well, the reason that you would do a search warrant as opposed to sending them a subpoena, like a grand jury subpoena, is because you're, you are afraid that something could be destroyed, that their evidence could be you know, um, gotten rid of. So that's why they do a search warrant. Um, if they had thought that the city council members would gladly hand over all their incriminating evidence, whatever it may be, whether it has to do with the nonprofit or potentially taking money from, you know, from, from FBI informants, um, you know, if they, they thought they would hand it over, they would they would just do a speed up. But they obviously were afraid that they could destroy the evidence. That's why they do a search warrant. Having worked in the uh, public corruption unit, right, for um, in Detroit for the U.S. Attorney's Office, yeah. are you surprised – considering how many people have been busted in the past that this is still going on? <laughs> no, no, like nothing surprises me when it comes to, to corruption, because when, when these folks get in, not these folks, when, when some um, who are uh, inclined to, to commit corrupt, corrupt acts, when they get in office, I've heard it said, and this goes back to, to another investigation, a long investigation, we don't have to name it, um, but it was a, about a six-year investigation, and we had this public official's father on tape saying, you know, we're going to, we're going to divide, we're going to, now that we're in office, we're going to split up the, the area. We're going to split yeah, up we the gotta, city. We got to have regular meetings to figure out how yeah, we're going to do exactly. this. Exactly. So, so people, there's a sense of entitlement that I've, I've seen over my years doing public corruption when it comes to, for instance, the Detroit city council, it's like, this is their time to get paid. This is their, not everybody, but the, the ones that end up falling into that. But they the, do get paid and then they get caught when they committed crime. I mean, yeah. so many of them have, have been caught. Is is Detroit, do you think, worse than other cities with public corruption? That's an interesting question because... Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> um, but is it, is it, is there more corruption? We have, we've had historically the highest number of corrupt corruption prosecutions in, the, in the country over the last... I want to say 15 years because we see those. That's because the attorney's office was so good here yeah, too. It was really good. And I'm expecting a huge decline. And there were some good reporters you know, in oh, City yeah. Hall. Yeah. Right. But that's all gone now. So you know, those numbers are going to decline so they, sadly but, for my but business. Detroit has had the most? We've had the most in, in this district. The Eastern District of Michigan is our district. And so each district reports at the end of the year how many corruption cases they've had. And I don't have the numbers in front of me, but. It's been very brisk. With but that also includes a massive Macomb County yes. uh, public corruption probe that went on for a long time and yeah, but resulted other, in dozens of convictions. But other districts are larger That's true. than the Eastern yeah, District. Los Angeles, for instance. I yeah. used to be a federal prosecutor there. There were, oh gosh, 9 million people in the county of L.A. back in the 90s when I was there. And so we had the, we had the largest by population district in the country, but we didn't have the type of corruption cases brought but that could be a number of things. It doesn't mean that there isn't corruption. It could be due to the fact that the, the FBI in, in L.A. or in whatever, pick your district, Newark, Chicago, wherever. It, it really, bringing cases depends on an FBI agent and it depends on, on their ability to, to 
develop informants. Those two things. If you don't have that, you don't have corruption. Well, cases, but, but we know that they exist because look at Macomb County. It, it was been corrupt forever. Anthony Morocco was there since 1987, I think. And it took... Still, still unconvicted, though. We have to be clear that uh, until until he pleads or is convicted, Mr. Morocco is considered innocent. That's absolutely right. That's absolutely right. But I, I believe that there was there was enough evidence to prove him guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. That's why I, I asked the grand jury to indict him. So I believe that he's committed these crimes and it's going to be up to a jury. So he's not going to hire you now that you're a private attorney. I, I can't work on that case, darn But it. he's probably mad at you. I don't think you, he and like I He's are. sitting there somewhere saying, Bolada! I would say he and I are not good. Put it okay. Okay. But what's it like to be on the other side now, leaving, you know, fighting public corruption and now defending federal? It's your federal defense attorney, right? Yes. I'm a federal criminal defense attorney. So what is it like? It's it's so different. And one of the things that I didn't count on. Is it outrageous to have to put up with the overreach of the federal government <laughs> and the, the evil prosecutors who are trying to take innocent people's freedom and away? And all the power they have? Um, yeah, Doesn't I don't. I don't ever talk to anybody at that office. Oh damn! Because they do. You know, they're on the other side now. No, it's it's. Oh. It really is interesting because you're brought in. Like I'm brought into a case when someone is going through their worst moments of their life. I mean, they're my clients. Of course, they're all good people, and they didn't do it. But I mean, they're, they're, sounds they're, like podcasting. They are. They are good people who made bad choices, and and they're they're counting on some somebody like me who can. Basically, tell them it's going to be okay. This is a temporary situation, and this is what we need to do. And, and it'll be over in thirty years. Just yeah, no, no, not necessarily. But but I mean, being able to do that to help people that way and make a living that way, I, I found it so far. And it's I'm really early into this because it's only been since April. But I find that that very rewarding. As a prosecutor, you're you're you know I was I was working for the public good, and and I didn't have a I didn't have any individual person. So I could say, yeah, this is great for the city of Detroit that, you know, certain people are, are being held accountable. But in this case, doing defense work, you're you're actually helping individual people and you're not trying to get over on the system. You're helping them understand that it's not as bad as they think and you're you're bringing a level of intelligence to the situation because you know what they're doing on the other side. You know what the the government's going to do and and you can anticipate things and it's just it gives people a lot of a lot of um a comfort in a really, really tough time. And, and, and it's not just the people that commit the crime or allegedly commit the crime. It's all the family members, the kids, the, everybody gets affected. You know, just we saw that in you know, some of our big cases in Detroit. So do you feel uh, that there were times when you were a prosecutor, and I know you're a very aggressive prosecutor, that you had a very high sense of moral outrage, which I respect, that you would be, you would be just completely... Uh, furious at people who had betrayed the public trust and now you meet their successors in in uh in uh mischief and and you're like oh you know these guys aren't so bad they got a dog i would i would reframe they plant that. roses yeah i would reframe that a little bit i don't think i was ever furious at the people that's a bit of an overstatement i think i think that i was disappointed and I would be disappointed in my client too that they did these things, but I w I, that doesn't mean their life is over. That they need to have somebody that that can represent them intelligently and get you know and, and basically bring a just result that's not taking advantage of them and in their situation being at the lowest point of their life. Damn, do you that, um, that happened fast? I, I remember you want to get these bums now. Now they're not so bad. Well, now they're human. Now they that's not always so easy for Mike to see. 
No, no. <laughs> they were always committed. It, it's always bittersweet as a prosecutor. When someone gets convicted, they have family members out there, you know? Even in, well, I won't talk about one particular case, but there's lots of cases out there that, that you know, where you, you watch the family members. And when I used to do murder cases when I was in L.A. doing gang murder cases in the 90s, you know, it was I was just as sad for the defendant's family because I did a lot of, a lot of teenagers who, who were in gangs. Yeah, no one people. wins. And nobody freaking wins, you know. And, and the families sometimes, I saw the families on both sides get together and console each other. It's amazing. It's, it's all it's all loss. That seems like it would be very, very hard to prosecute um, gang murders to get people to talk. Yeah, it's really hard to get people to talk um, because their life literally depended on it, you know. But, but a lot of times doing gang cases, if you move the witness to a different part of L.A. County, like that's all you had to do. You didn't have to put them in the witness protection program. They would feel more comfortable. But but just finding a, a just a, a, someone on this, uh, who witnessed a crime in the neighborhood that wants to come and testify is is almost impossible. So a lot of yeah, times you you're use, not going to move them, right? You know, a lot of times you use like like fellow gang members who are in the car during the drive-by, and they might have a crime that they're trying to work off, and they're they're going to cooperate with you. And sometimes you just go with you know prior inconsistent statements and and just build a case circumstantially too. Do Those you are con- tough cases. Do you consume a lot of uh, like true crime? I, I mean, do I you do. like... He's written some. I do. I, I remember that, crime. yeah. No, that was Fiction. A, that was a, you, you wrote a book. But like, do you keep up on other jurisdictions or just yeah. like, I is, I mean, it's your job, but is it also, are you intrigued by all that stuff? I am intrigued by it. I'm intrigued by it. I, I love Dateline. I, like, okay. I listen to that stuff all the time driving around. Because there's some pretty interesting cases. I can right I pick now, your, can I pick your brain about absolutely? A couple of them? Right now we're in in just a, a golden golden little time time frame here with uh, interesting. Well, yeah. Cases. Well, R. R. Kelly gets convicted, right? Yep. Yesterday, and I think a lot of people were surprised that they were RICO charges, federal RICO charges. But he was the only defendant. Did that surprise you, having prosecuted RICO charges before? No, it didn't surprise me that they charged RICO because. That RICO is is a federal law that you could use when you have a lot of bad conduct over a long period of time. RICO is the perfect, perfect charge because you don't have to worry about statute of limitations. You don't have to worry about only going back five years. You can go back as long as you as long as you can find Is that the spirit of that law of racketeering? I mean well, he's it, a pedophile. It wasn't written it wasn't written it was written to, to deal with the mob. It was written sure. to deal with organized crime. But it's been used in lots of different contexts in public corruption cases, um, for instance. It's been used. It's been used civilly. People can sue really? other people civilly in alleged RICO. Um, so it, it's used in all kinds of different contexts. And but I think in this case it actually fits perfectly since he did. R. Kelly did have people helping him. Um, from what I, I've read in the news accounts, he 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 had this organization that supported. You know, Rob's rules mm-hmm. and, and ba- rules, yeah. basically getting these these young girls to do, and you know, just completely humiliating things. And just but as a prosecutor, them. wouldn't you want to go after those people too, or is it just no? You want to get the head. Yeah, you would want to go after them. Absolutely would. Just like they're going after um, Ghislaine Maxwell. Um, oh yeah, yeah. With which, Ep- which Jeffrey Epstein. Which I almost yeah. mispronounced the first. Name. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, <laughs> I, think, I, think so. I think I know a show that's at fault for that. Yes, but um, <laughs> yeah, um, you want to do that. But the one thing that people always will always ask me, like in my cases, is why don't you prosecute this person? This person made a, paid the bribe, but 
a lot of times you don't know that. You don't have that information in, until you talk to the person under what we call immunity. Oh, okay. And so, so what probably happened in, in the R. Kelly case is a lot of these, a lot of these um, enablers were subpoenaed to the federal grand jury in, in, um, and they would only agree to testify if they had immunity because they would have lawyers that would tell them that. And so they would, you know, they would, they would provide necessary testimony for the government and what they would get in return is not be prosecuted. Now, the, another case that's really huge right now is Gabby Petito, the disappearance, subsequent murder of yes. her. Um, were you surprised how long it took to get a warrant for him and then uh, for Brian Laundry, and that the warrant was specifically about using her credit yeah. card? That's right. They didn't get a warrant for, for murder. Um, or should they have been watching him, in your opinion? They should have been watching him. They should have been watching him. I, w- I would think that they... Uh, I was surprised that he was able to, you know, while they're still looking for the body, that they didn't have surveillance in yeah. his house. That that's that's a um, was a mistake in my view. Um, in federal cases, when we're about to do, you know, a takedown, we have we have um, what they call the SOG, um, the surveillance unit of the FBI, on those people every day. You know, we want to know where they're going, what they're doing. I would imagine that they did some of that, but it, but he obviously slipped through the cracks. How? How in God's earth would he be defended? How is he going to be defended in this? I mean, because every step along the way doesn't really help his case. No, no. I would think in his case, they're going to probably find um, DNA. They, I know that they went back to the house to get additional DNA material. Yeah. They're going to compare to probably items at the crime scene. They found items, um, DNA from her body. It's a little bit harder in this case because they were together. They're dating. It's not a stranger situation. So they DNA will be everywhere. DNA will be everywhere. But we don't know at this point. We don't know the cause of death. We know it was ruled a homicide, but we don't know how. You know, was it strangulation? Is there some, you know, DNA related to that? We we just don't know. It's amazing what they could do with with technology now that they couldn't do just ten years ago. Um, So we'll see what they they find out. But yeah, it'll be a difficult case, I would imagine, to defend. because he has the motive, we know that because they had they had an up and down, yep. you know, a, a very very rocky relationship. We saw that on the tapes with with, um, you know, in, in when when she was fighting with with uh, Brian and the police were called. We saw that with um, I guess there was a a nine one one call saying that that Brian Laundry was slapping yeah. Gabby Petito. So so there's lots of motive there. There's opportunity, you know, galore. He's with her. In, a, in this little transit van. Oh, I mean, he, in my opinion, the guy is so guilty. But I wanted to ask you, do, do we, as the public watching something like this, do we make too much out of people not cooperating with an investigation? Or is that is that a huge, massive red flag? To me, it's a huge, massive red flag. Just It's just common sense. You know, you, I think so, too. You're with somebody, they disappear, you, you just drive back without them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and just it's not in, even your car. Just in general, I've, I've in been the, left behind. Hey, I, can we take a break from the soul of not Detroit for just oh, a minute sorry. to do a little, a little? Um, I thought this was Dateline business. <laughs> so, oh, da- yeah, it was Dateline. It's just uh, sorry when you get into true crime, I can go all day with him. Well, let's stop that. Okay. Um, okay. So uh, let me let me tell you a little bit about the Cadu Cafe. No, I got yelled at. Sean. Sponsors. No, you were you were you were very gently rebuked <laughs> for the soul of for hosting the soul of a place I don't really care about. Um, we have our friend uh, John Rutherford, who's one of the one of the patrons over at the Cadu Cafe, co-owner there, your host. Um, he's encouraging you to book your holiday feather bowling parties and family gatherings 
right now because dates are filling up. If you've never been to the Cadu Cafe, it's a delightful slice of old world uh, joy. Uh, Belgian specialties, but all kinds of great food and beer. They have live music almost every night at the outdoor beer garden. They also have music indoors, sometimes at the same time, which is pretty wild. You can see two acts on the same night. There's also Muscle Beach, the outdoor beer garden near the garage bar. Inside one of the only places, maybe in the world, that you're going to find feather bowling, you can book a feather bowling party at cadjucafe.com. Give them a call. Get your name in there. Great for friends. Corporate parties, you name it, during uh, Thanksgiving, during Christmas. They've renovated the feather bowling lanes, so they're big, bright, airy. Lots of good places to put your beer and your food as you do a sport that is almost impossible to describe. Think of it as bocce ball with feathers and big wood things that look like cheese wheels. I, I know, you, you can't really picture that. Just book your stay at the Cadu Cafe. You won't regret it. And when you call John, tell him that ML sent you because, because maybe he'll save a beer for me. Mark, anybody else who's doing some good work out there for the good people of the world that we should probably be helping connect them with? Well, yeah, of course. Hall Financial. Duh. I mean, isn't that a given? Is the interest rate still around 2%? I something? think they're the lowest they've been all year, and that's why you should check out Hall Financial. Uh, just go to mlsoladetroit's, our website.com, and click on the link to get started, or you can call them at 248-308-5000. Tell them that we sent you. They have over, I think it's over, what, 6,000 5-star five five reviews? reviews? I mean, the 5-star reviews just keep piling up, piling up, piling up, and you want to be able to understand uh, your financial situation. They can help you. Get you, uh, you know, a better mortgage, save you some money. Once again, 248-308-5000. Tell them ML sent you. The NMLS number is 1467435. And uh, call Dan Morris and tell him, Dan, what are you doing, man? Give me yeah, a better deal. Put him to work for you. He'll do it. Make a lot of money. If he can't, that uh, James Bentley fellow might be available. He's, he's adequate. So, yeah. And, and if you're looking to make some money so you can buy yourself a crib or maybe just... You know, tighten up your finances so you look a little better when you go through the uh, through the um, you know the approval process. Dave Hubbard at the Butchery is still hiring. This is a place where you can get prime meats and eats. They are closed on Monday and Tuesday, but they're open the rest of the week. They have some amazing prime cuts. They also have some fantastic, unique grocery items, and then the desserts made by Chef Julie. We'll keep you coming back for more. They are looking for help. Yes, they are one of many places that has a great job opportunity for you. If you're looking for a great place to work with great people, great salary and opportunities, go to The Butchery SL. That's TheButcherySL.com. Or you can give them a call at 248-682-2697. That's 682-COWS. TheButcherySL.com. Tell Jeff, Chef Dave that, uh, that we're going to be over there real soon to get some good grub. And maybe you'll even be working there. So get your resume into Chef Dave. And uh, don't wait anymore. The stimulus money's gone. It's time to get back out there in the workforce. Come on, get your life together, man. Right, Mark? Sounds good. Okay. All right, I found a, a true crime Sean? story. Yeah? No? Okay. I found a true crime story closer to Detroit that I wanted to ask you about. Yeah. Okay, then I got to get back to Detroit corruption <laughs> for a minute. Well, you can go there first if you want. No, no, no. Let's get two, out of two years wasn't enough. Yeah. So, yeah, keep going. <laughs> God forbid that a guest comes in and talks about something interesting. Sean's still here? I thought yeah. he was applying at the butchery. And I'm sorry, uh, Mr. Butchery, Bilotta, that he had to suggest that that wasn't interesting because it wasn't 
you know, part of the geography of this lovely city. This is the soul of Detroit, and we do have quite a bit of corruption here that may actually affect people's lives. But That's uh, a metaphor, right? The soul of Detroit is the soul of life. Hey, talk about whatever we deep. Well, I guess, I guess I didn't know the metaphor extended to Utah, but uh, but that's cool. Oh, it extends to anywhere there's, you know, oxygen. Oh. So there you go. Okay, let me be quiet for a little while so I can... Uh, well, no, I go with the corruption stuff. I mean, that's near and dear. Yeah, go for that. Yeah, no, sorry, no, let's, let's... Don't talk about true crime anymore, Mark. It's very, it's very rare that we have a, a prosecutor turned, you know, a federal criminal defense attorney. No, so there's so many things let's, I want to ask about. Let's get back to the Scott, whatever his name is, who dated somebody else and buried their wife in cement and threw him in a lake or something. Oh, that yep. story. I'm kind of bored. That story's pretty much done now. Okay. Oh, I know that's that yeah. wasn't even what we were talking You're about. You're right. People don't care about that kind of stuff at all. So they're, they're Sean, what, I didn't see you chiming in. You seemed almost as bored as I was. But <laughs> no, I was trying to be polite. Be, it could be your natural <laughs> You were just state. laying in weeds until you, you know, rise up with the Uzi and take out the guests for somehow getting out over eight mile. Thanks a lot. <laughs> There's a really, it was a really sad story about uh, four people that went to party at a hotel. There was in, four people who did a podcast together. It's a tragedy. <laughs> in uh, Auburn Hills. And, Oy, uh, yay! We're getting closer. Sorry, I go told ahead. you I was getting closer. I know, this, I know. this is kind of a big story and, and the, the kid was just, so what happened? Four guys get together to party. One guy shows up with what he thought were Percocets. Turns out they were laced with fentanyl. Um, three people died. He, I believe, was in critical condition um, in a coma, but got out of it, recovered, and was just sentenced for providing fentanyl-laced Percocet. And I, I just felt like I can't remember exactly how long he was sentenced for. but it Wasn't seemed, it like six years or something? Yeah, it seemed a little, to me personally, and it's maybe be an unpopular opinion because it involves drugs yeah. and three people dying, it seemed a little heavy-handed. And I didn't know why. Is that because it, it involves, you know, fentanyl, which seems to be a, a story that everybody is aware of and the dangers of street drugs? Or, or I just couldn't figure out why would he be charged and sentenced for so many years? Yeah. It, fentanyl right now is is the main killer when you're talking about narcotics. People are overdosing on it. Famous people we've seen uh, mm -hmm. overdose and die on it. Uh, and, they're, and they're worth more. They're, yeah. Well, it gets the attention and the imagination yeah. of everyone. Yeah. Um, the Michael K. Williams had fentanyl in his system. Yes, Michael yeah. K. Williams and was it Scott Whalen also? Uh, yeah, he did. Whalen. Philip Seymour Hoffman, was that something that was laced or no? I don't think it was laced. I just think he did a lot of uh, yeah. of uh, Xanax combined. Yeah, sorry, that's New York, killers. though. Let's, let's get back here. To <laughs> back, to, back to Auburn Hills. Were you, were you surprised he was charged and sentenced so harshly? I wasn't surprised um, because... The fact that he, he was the one who provided the drugs, the, the Percocets, to his three other friends, and that resulted in, in their death. But I agree with you, Mark, that I think that, that the sentence, I think it was like 16, 6 to 15 or something like that, in that range, I thought that was that was very high because, you know, he he very likely was an innocent buyer of this these Percocets. Yeah. He thought he was going to share some Percocets and have them himself. He took them himself. He's so in the hospital. Like, yeah, it wasn't like he was the dealer who knew it was fentanyl. He couldn't, you know, he had to step on it or, or add fentanyl like a lot of times they have to do to heroin. Um, people do that because it's cheap. It's synthetic and it's cheap. And so, you know, if he didn't know it and he was just, he was just buying it, you know, um, without any knowledge there was fentanyl in it, I don't know why he would be sentenced to, a, to or he should be sentenced to longer. Um, in prison, that that seems wrong. I mean, it's a tough story because tell that to the the three victims' yeah. families, right? 
Yeah, a lot of times I think victims' families, I mean, they want justice for their, their lost loved one. Um, and sometimes you see then a victim's families actually have compassion for the, the person that's charged. And I think in this case, they should because... Couldn't they go after the dealer, the guy he bought exactly, it from, or another yeah. step up? I, I don't know. It's hard sometimes to go off... The, I mean, who knows who the, the, the person who's charged is bought it from. Could have been, you know, sort of a nameless, faceless person. But if they could go up, that that should be the target. It should be the person who knowingly provided, you know, fentanyl. Because mm-hmm. that's, that's akin to, you know, playing Russian roulette with someone else's life. Mike, I have a question for you. I have an answer. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, oh, the other, other mic. Sorry. That's why I do the ML thing because everybody is a mic. Okay. That, that's yeah. I've but never you can heard stick that. Stick with sir. I've never heard that explanation, <laughs> but that's fine. Uh, I, I was on a hockey team with 14 guys and four of us were named Mike. How about this? Really? Do you want to ask yeah. Mr. Bellotta? Bulldogs 20th century. Uh, 20th anniversary. Come see us at the Troy Sports Center Sunday nights. Yeah, that sounds great. Bulldogs. So <laughs> do you want to ask Mr. Bellotta? Two goals, two, ga- two games, two goals for your captain. That's the important part. Pop the water ball in the first game of the season for what it's worth. I, I see didn't a, see that in the sports section. I see a smile over Let's there. I'm not sure if the... Is this a detente a little bit? Going no, no. On here? I, I, are you are you asking about uh, are you public smart? official A? I thought he came up about an hour ago. No, I thought you were talking about uh, why. Why you have an interesting questions? I thought you were going to ask Mr. Bellotto why about why politicians sell themselves. I diverted too much from so the rundown. Cheaply. Is there a missing body somewhere? Is it somebody? Did somebody leave a bike somewhere in in Zanesville, Ohio, that we can talk about? Well, you don't like true crime stories? Winesville. Do you not follow true crime? Winesville, Ohio. I, I, I am of the opinion that there's enough true crime conversation on every other podcast on the face of the earth. I'm more interested in, in local real crime that affects people here, but that's okay. We can talk about it. We have a, we have a guest who has an expertise that we rarely have. Yeah. On so show. why use it? <laughs> Sean, Sean I, I believe you had a question. <laughs> and not the existential one of why am I here? No, but, you mean why am I here? No, because you wanted me to come, I guess a long time ago. I don't know that you still do, but, no, do, do politicians uh, sell themselves cheaply? You, you've got that here. I think it's interesting. I think you want That's to talk question. about it with Mr. Bellotta. So, so to set this up. There you go. If I may. <laughs> Andre Spivey, our councilman who's pleading guilty today, scheduled to plead guilty. He and this public official, A, corruptly accepted over $35,000 in bribe payments according to according to the charging documents. And... and we hear all the time, Monica Conyers took a few hundred dollars, you know, other people have been accused of taking 17 pounds of sausage as part of a bribe deal. And I hear it said all the time, why do these, these, uh, these um, officials sell themselves so cheap? But one of the things that I've seen over the years and that I share with people is that you guys only charge them with some of what you found them to do. Or is that not quite right? I mean, like, Ted Bundy wasn't charged with 50 murders. He was charged with one because one was enough to put him in prison for life. I mean, are we to believe that some of these other people, it wasn't just $35,000? Because we often see at sentencing that they copped all kinds of stuff that they were never charged with. Ted Bundy doesn't live in Detroit. <laughs> I don't think the city He was in Ann Arbor for a little while, though. Other true. people. So that's but true. that's not Detroit. Oh, Close so you want to go there. No, you don't. Not really, do you? Thank let's you for do it. What Come I was on. Thinking. You, you got something on your chest I, other than some no, gray hair. Let's no, here's it. the only thing I'm going to say. We're in Milwaukee right now. Aren't we? <laughs> no, no, no. Here's the only quick thing I'm, I'm going to say. I'm in hell. Mike and I had a... Um, 
Oh, God. A uh, conversation, and I'm not going to go into it here. Yeah, that's a but, good idea. But the only point I'm going to make What's is that, that Luke Nowacki say about this? Let me say years. this. <laughs> Damn it. Sometimes stuff is organic and it comes out like it just like did with you. That's all I'm going to say. Language. Like it just did with you. So we can talk later about how that's not. No, let's talk now. But no, that's organic. Michael. 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 <laughs> so you're embarrassed. I'm sorry. We're moving on. Michael. Is it a case that people in Detroit, politicians in Detroit who uh, are caught in bribery schemes, sell themselves cheap, or are you just charging them on the most red line violation of the law? A. Well, short a. question. Choice A is the answer. They sell themselves cheap? Monica Conyers had a vote on um, a 10-year sludge hauling contract worth $1.2 billion for Cinegro Corporation. And she wanted Rayford Jackson to bring her an iced tea. What? She did. She asked for that on the wiretop. She wanted a couple thousand dollars here, a couple thousand dollars there. That's what she wanted. I mean, absolutely. It's ridiculous. It's absurd. But but the Free Press also reported that she and Sam Riddle orchestrated a payment of more than $20,000 from someone who had a pension deal when she served on the pension board. And she was never charged with that. But that's real money. That's big money. But not big compared to the pension fund. I mean, the pension fund is billions of dollars. So the money that... that but I'm saying there were a lot of things they yeah. did that they were never charged with. If someone's not charged with something, it could be for a variety of reasons. It could be because it was old. It could be more than five years old. It could be that there's not enough evidence of that. But to, to say that we just... That, that the prosecutor's office, the U.S. Attorney's office, just charges the bare bones or just what they feel like they need to charge... That's not the case. If there's right, a- I'm not suggesting that. I'm just saying that you've got one instance here with uh, with Councilman Spivey yep. that you've laid out or that the federal government has laid out. And and my question is, and I don't know the answer, is is are there other cases where the, he has like a rate where if you want some cooperation, it's this much money and you don't need to charge him or investigate all these other cases to their logical conclusion because you've got one Bright line violation, that's enough to take somebody out of City Hall because they're not a good actor. And you may have heard or looked at other things and just said, well, you know, we, we could probably follow that through. We heard this or we looked at that, but we got what we need right here to make an ironclad case. And we're going to do that. And that's enough. And this other stuff we heard, eh, you know, I mean, because as we just talked about, Monica Conyers took money from Rayford Jackson who I recently saw at a funeral, by the way. He still looks fantastic. Um, and uh, But she also was taking money from someone who had a deal before the pension board. I mean, you only charged her with the one. It doesn't mean she's not cutting side deals here, there, and everywhere else. That's right. I mean, there, there's definitely going to be other other um, acts that aren't charged. Keep in mind, too, to even open an investigation, you have to have predication. And what that means is there has to be two sources um, telling you that that public official has, is committing a crime. So sometimes those other sources are talking about other events, and then eventually they'll, they'll work in a undercover FBI agent or use an informant and get the bribe on tape. One thing in bribery cases that the government likes to have is a videotape. It makes convicting a lot easier, and juries expect you know solid evidence. If you just had one person say, yeah, he, he gave me... T-, and we had that in, in the Kilpatrick case... Um, but, but and the Bates case, in the Lonnie Bates case, you had somebody saying that uh, I, I basically bribed him, but he didn't use the exact word bribe. The jury couldn't hear that. And that was one of the, the charges that Bates beat. 
And Bates is a former East Side City Councilman, for those who don't know. Yeah, the, we Our called Lonnie. him to lunch Lonnie. Lonnie. That was Lonnie Bates. Alonzo Bates, he would, would have contractors take him out to lunch. He would order his lunch, and then before he left, he would order a second lunch to take with him. To go. <laughs> That's how he earned that name, rightfully so. I don't blame him. Yeah. Two lunch Lonnie. Two lunch Lonnie. That's a good, good move. <laughs> that, that, <laughs> Someone's buying. That was a case where you had a witness who testified, said, I was told if I didn't do this, I wouldn't get this. Or if I wanted this, I had to do this. But you didn't have the electronic evidence, and the jury just said, sorry, Mike, I got to have more. So, I mean, I, I understand what you're saying, but I'm just wondering, do we have an issue here where politicians, it's not that they only took a hundred bucks and so they got they went to prison for taking a hundred bucks. It's that they took a hundred bucks from a lot of people. And when you add up a lot of hundred dollar payoffs, you get to real money, but you only made the case on one of those payoffs because that's all you needed to do. Yeah, I don't I don't buy that. Okay. So this man yeah, sold you, himself and threw his career away for well, I'll explain why I don't buy that. Because if there were other people that I'm said, genuinely asking, because I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't give myself away for a hundred thousand dollars, let alone a few thousand dollars. So but we seem to would? see this happen all the time. One fifty. If I do, I'll call you. Two hundred. And when I call you, I'll just say I'm not calling a lawyer. I'm calling somebody to shoot me in the face because I'd rather die than cheat the people of Detroit, which I think makes me stand out from some of the other people in city council. <laughs> okay. So why why do you feel that way then? Oh, because if there were other people saying that, that I paid a bribe and there the FBI could get them to say that in the grand jury or even in an interview, they would be those charges would be tacked on if they were within 5 years because you know you could always have more evidence. It's better okay. because it tends to show a pattern. And uh, so, yeah, they, they, he'd be charged. If there were other provable charges, he'd be charged with them, is what I'm saying. There's a reason that he's not charged with more, either because he didn't do any other crimes or because they couldn't be proven. Or because he cooperated and so he's getting a little break. It's possible. And and don't you also tell people before the case goes to uh, a deal, it's like, can you, any other thing else we need to know about? Anything else you told us about? Because if we find out from somebody else the deal's over, we're going to blow you up. You're going to be real sorry. <laughs> This is the time to lay it all on the table. That's right. We we had that happen with the Rizzo case. We had um, Chuck Rizzo was the CEO of Rizzo Environmental Services, and he was cooperating with us, and he was he was tape recording bribe payments to to um, Dean Reynolds, a trustee with with um, Shelby Township, Clinton Township, or Clinton Township. Sorry, that was another time you guys charged somebody during an election, and it cost that guy his election. Um, so, I mean, there is a precedent for, for the feds bringing charges during election season. It's not just here in Detroit. I think he still pr did pretty well, although he didn't. He no, I think he had beat. Yeah, but he didn't. People still voted for him. And, it, and again, we tried not to, to coincide. The, the jury things. did not vote for him, as I recall. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um, wait, what were we talking about? Now? I lost my train of thought. Well, I didn't. I, a quick question. A quick question. Rizzo, quick question. Rizzo cooperated. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was recording yeah. stuff. and then. Yeah, so Rizzo is somebody who didn't tell us everything. You asked about that. Well, what do you do when that happens? And he, talk about shooting yourself in the foot or in the face. He did that to himself because we found out during his cooperation that he had been untruthful about other crimes that he committed. And he was still stealing money from his company from because uh, he didn't really own Rizzo Environmental Services after a point. It was owned by a, uh, an equity firm in New York City. And so... He was stealing from the from the, the investors, basically, um, and he was doing that while cooperating. If that happens, then you know that that cooperation is blown up, which what happened is what happened to Chuck. He ends up doing what six and a half years in, in prison, which he could have done nothing or a year or something really low had he continued to cooperate. So yeah, that, that does happen, and okay. deals get blown up. 
have a, a quick question. Yeah. A, a deep question, if if I may, Mike Elric. That's my favorite kind. Yeah, do whatever you want, brother. So, so I've I've the, seen that. The nickname Lonnie, uh, two lunch. Two lunch, Lonnie. Two lunch, Lonnie. Was that influenced at all by Jimmy Two Times from Goodfellas? <laughs> uh, I think he predated Goodfellas, didn't he? No, the Bates I, case. It's an old case, man. He was out. Was he was out. That was my favorite. That was, was my favorite lobster line. in that movie. Jimmy Two Times. Two times. Yeah. He was mowing his lawn um, on City Time. He was on videotape that, by, yeah. by Scott Lewis. Yep. Scott Lewis and Bill Gallagher caught him, too. Yeah, so he, yep. he goes way back. So probably predated. Late 90s. He was yeah. supposed to be working at that the was recreation a deep department. Though. That was a deep question. <laughs> that's what I know. Here's something also <laughs> that's deep. On, on 696 on the way in this morning, there was a lawnmower, a push lawnmower overturned. Overturned on just right there. Nothing. Wow. And then you're talking about mowing the lawn. So I know that's a non sequitur. Uh, Mike, you know what that means. Can you use the bloop? Can we edit? <laughs> no, I'll, I'll add it in. Yeah. The show's yeah. starting to run a little long. Um, okay. I wonder why. So, uh, well, that's something it's my about, fault. Something about lawnmowers and somebody in Utah. Um, that wasn't Utah. Thanks for following the story. Yeah. <laughs> that's how much interest I had. I'm sorry. But, Was um, it Florida? Uh, he's in Florida. Well, the Florida is where he is now. Yes, yeah. it's always Florida. It's Wyoming. We'll make it all about you, Utah. Um, and Tetons. Johnny, Utah. Did you ever watch that movie? Boy, is this non sequitur hour? <laughs> Point break, yes. The, the remake <laughs> or the original? Movie. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, it's a great movie. I, w- I was. Uh, Quarterback Punk. That's what I remember. Gary. Uh, and Laurie, Laurie Petty uh, was his. Yeah, it's his, always about his, that, isn't it? His entree into the, uh, into the gang. Yes. With Bodie. Okay. And you know who else was in there? Anthony Kiedis. He was. Mm-hmm. And Flea. Flea was in there, too. Yeah, right. Oh, right. 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 And also the Big Lebowski. So, okay. So. Michael, we, we, we are running long because you've been involved in a lot of cases, a lot of interesting stories. Is there anything that you can tell us now that you couldn't tell us about the Gabe Leland case, the Monica Conyers case, Lonnie Bates, Kay Everett, while you were a prosecutor and while they still had yet to be fully adjudicated, which means, Sean? No, go ahead. Adjudicated in full. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I want to talk, uh, if I could, a second about Gabe Leland. Because I've I've heard some some speculation about why the case was not prosecuted federally. Yeah, I mean the guy orchestrated a bribe and he doesn't do a minute in jail. Balada, were you on the defense side by then? What's going on, man? It looks that way, doesn't no. Gabarino should be in a box right now, counting the days until he's free, and they should be many days. So this was not some kind of sweetheart deal that we decided to, to give to Gable Leland to let him plead guilty um, in state court. The, the problem that we had was one of, um, a wit- we had a particular witness named Bob Carmack. That you I know the man. Maybe familiar with his work. Mm-hmm. Maybe familiar with his banners flying over <laughs> events throughout the metro area. And so just the idea of him as our primary <laughs> witness and, you know, can you imagine like the jury's out deliberating and he's flying banners over, you know, saying Leland's guilty or something? I mean, I, we don't know what he was. He was had some issues. We had some issues with. But he had him. some video too, right? Isn't the video of these meetings with Leland and with Leland's uh, 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 emissary? Isn't the video the witness really not Bob Carmack? And you just put Bob on the stand and say, Bob, did you shoot this video? He says, Yeah, I did. And you go, Okay, roll tape. Yeah, but there were, there were other things. Was the video no good? The video was good, but there were other things that we needed to rely on his credibility for and to really prove the case that we thought. And so it just it worked out really well that he was willing to leave the office, plead guilty to a felony, and you know 
wrap his case up in state court. That was something we worked out, and it was not because we were trying to give him a deal. It was because uh, of the, the strength of the evidence, and particularly the witness, and also the fact that the money that we're talking about here was was campaign money. So it's not the typical. Well, it wasn't campaign. It never. It didn't end up in his campaign account. I mean, they 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 it was sold at his campaign money, but uh, yeah, it was it was for his campaign. Uh, uh, do you guys know that he spent it on his campaign? Do we have any receipts? I, I can't talk about grand jury material, but but there is like I say, it was based on the evidence. So so I'd like to dis dispel that rumor that that he was treated differently for whatever reason than but, other city council members because he really wasn't. It was just the, the strength of the evidence it was not there for that case. But he was treated differently than other defendants in public office because you made Eric Smith resign when it was the, the Macomb County prosecutor was proved that he was getting funny with campaign money. But Gabe Leland was never forced to resign. And Gabe Leland was allowed to serve on city council for many months, maybe a year or more, and to vote on major things. Like he voted on a quarter billion dollar bond proposal when you guys knew that he was a crook. That that seems like he was treated differently than some other well, folk. He wasn't treated differently. He was. In, he had an attorney that had him in a different posture. He was going to fight the case. He was not agreeing to leave. Eric Smith's situation was much different. His attorney was. So he just rolled over. And not that he rolled over, but that he he saw the you know the writing on the on the wall, and and he decided that that was his in his best interest to plead guilty and to resign as part of the, the plea agreement. So they're just two different things. Now, if, if I could just make one suggestion on the Eric Smith Thank case, you. and I know it's nuance is not always. I, his know, thing. I know it's too late to do anything like this, it's but if if, if Eric Smith ever gets in trouble again, can you tell him you do not wear a shirt and a tie and a sweater under a jacket? Well, if you're cold, you wear an overcoat. That's sort of judgy, no? Yeah. So, just saying. It's a I'm just blood. saying. I, I have to just out myself on this one point that I have worn. <laughs> Lots yeah, of sweater combo. vests. Yeah, it's under different. A suit That's jacket. like a, I actually look forward to fall because it's sweater vest season. <laughs> I like. I like. I'm a hoodie <laughs> guy. My wife. Myself. My wife I've thinks never... I'm the biggest loser. So. Under a suit coat. <laughs> She's like, you are not wearing that. You, you look like Mister. You look like Mister Rogers. No, I, you're not going to come back to this house. Have you done it under a suit coat? <laughs> there you go. An yes. admission. Good. An admission of you. guilt from the prosecutor. We Good finally, for you. Finally, beat it out of him. <laughs> if you just said that in the beginning, we could have skipped that whole case in Colorado. Oh, now it's Colorado. By the way, I do have a, one last question for you. Yeah. Is this uh, a deep one? No, it's not. <laughs> I don't. I don't think so. You mentioned uh, before the show that you had listened to the podcast a little bit, trying to get the vibe. Yeah. Give so, me vibe. so is that vibe? So, what do you think of the vibe now that you've actually been in it? I'm still uh, trying to get hostility. Thank, thanks for remembering that Michael was a guest early in the show. <laughs> he was here a couple of years ago, Sean. No, no, no. He said he'd listened. He'd forgotten. Recently, yeah. He was so, mm -hmm. it was so memorable a couple of years ago that he had to go back and listen to the podcast to try to get the vibe. I don't, I don't think that's going to get you're it. On, if you're on time, you heard that. <laughs> what? Huh? Why were you late today, just out of curiosity? Because I was seeking justice for the people. Okay, yeah. Me too. That's why I was late. Perhaps, perhaps being involved in an endeavor that may, uh, that may lead someone to hire Mr. Bellotta to defend them, but we'll see how deep it goes. Ooh. Oh, that's okay. Yeah, that's interesting. Good tease. Um, hey, good tease for your future <laughs> felony conviction. <laughs> that's awesome. I um, wanted to talk about uh, money, by the way, and investing because overreaction is not the strategy you want for a, for a long-term investor. We should all be long-term investors. And right? if you make that money, do not buy it on a don't buy a sweater vest and a jacket and put it no, together. No, make sure <laughs> you uh, want to. I guess. I guess it's okay. I mean, if you get handed a big bag of cash, maybe you want to invest it. 
Yeah. If it's legal, yeah. you know, get yeah. that paper trail. Yeah, don't going. blow it on a sweater combo, I guess. That's <laughs> what Mike says. Mike Elric, sorry. Call our buddy Luke Nowacki at, at Pinnacle Wealth, 248-663-4748 for rational financial advice. He'll point you in the right direction. Equities, bonds, 401ks, 529s, anything with numbers, he's going to figure it out for you. Get advice. Get a strategy. Call Luke. Pinnacle Wealth, 248-663-4748. Because when you call Luke Nowacki, he will make it all about you, sweetheart. Securities and investment advisory services offered through Royal Alliance Associates Inc. Member FINRA SIPC. Royal Alliance Associates Inc. is separately owned and other entities and or marketing names, products, or services referenced here are independent of Royal Alliance Associates Inc. Oh man, the geeks have inherited the earth. I do that. What a dork. Does him wanting to play with us again mean that he's turning into a geek? Or we're turning into cool guys? Tyler Bertuzzi, you're a geek. I wrote about a, I wrote a column oh, about him the other day. I thought there was a point in there. I, I read the whole thing. I'm still not sure. Because <laughs> when, when you're a good teammate, you're there for every game. When you're a good teammate, you don't expose the people you work with, the people you play with, to injury or harm. And because this guy has an unfounded fear of a vaccine that's been proven to be safe and has been fully approved by the feds, he is going to miss all the games in Canada. He's going to potentially expose people. Nine of them. To, uh, okay, well, you know, when, if you're in the playoffs, nine games is pretty big. When you're the last all-star the Red Wings had, nine games is pretty significant. When you missed a whole year, we'd like to have the nine games. And by the way, is he going to give back his salary for those nine games? I sure as hell hope so, because he ain't working. His body, his choice. So, yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> guess what? You got to get the measles vaccine if you want to go to school. So, uh, and guess what else the choice is? He wants to be a professional athlete. He wants to be a good teammate. You do the right thing. You get the shot. You show up for work every day. Hey, the point that I wrote, I don't know about your reading skills, your comprehension I know, skills. there's more points in a compass. <laughs> well, sometimes you want to, you know, you want to layer stuff up a little bit. But you, just, you just know there's 360 degrees on a compass. Can, you, la- can you limit yourself to 360 points in your column? King of the 30-minute questions. No, my point, real quickly, the main point was that he real gets to play. Real quickly, would have been a good idea when you wrote it. <laughs> he gets to play in front of fans this season. Why? Because security guards, ushers, all the front office staff, marketing people, all the people in that organization are vaccinated because all of his teammates are vaccinated and because half the fans or more are going to be vaccinated. So we can have somewhat of a normal world because everybody else is taking the shot or a lot of other people, and therefore he doesn't have to. I got all that, but I didn't understand why at the end of the column you let him off the hook. That's why he's our geek of the what week. What do you mean let him off the hook? I said, how are you going to change somebody's mind? I was at letting, I'm not going to change his mind. Todd Bertuzzi calls his own shots. <laughs> What you tell him is you want to be a good teammate. Do what you got to do to be in the game. Right. That's the bottom line. I do. There's many reasons to get vaccinated, but for him, that's kind of why I would have done it at the very least, just because you're part of a team. Exactly. Yeah. And you also have the top-notch medical attention that most of us well, don't have. For, so if there's any that, danger, no, I mean, it's got, no danger. He's got enough of this already. Get your shots. <laughs> Bertuzzi. La la la. La 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 la. And you can dance together all night if you've got the time. What do you got for us today? 
by the way, when we do our summer skate in Troy, when Tyler Bertuzzi was a young guy, he would be on the ice before we took the ice. That's great. He worked hard. So I, I did have a point. You just didn't like it because you thought I let him off the hook. I just I thought you you laid it out beautifully. Everybody else is doing what they're supposed to do, so you can do what you're handsomely paid to do. Exactly. That was and he my wasn't point. willing to do it, but you didn't end it with so do it. No, I ended it with a much more realistic idea of here's a guy's willing to give up because they're going to dock him. He's going to his salary's going to get prorated. Yeah. yeah. Are they? Oh, yeah. So he's going to give up a couple hundred grand. Good. I would so assume. can we send that hundred? couple hundred grand to first responders so for he's, people who he's, are dying because he knows he's going to get ridiculed right and and this and week's did. selection is bjork with human behavior <laughs> sorry go ahead go ahead <laughs> no i was just saying he he if you're willing to get ridiculed to some degree which he is clearly and you're willing to give up several hundred thousand dollars how are you going to change somebody's mind who's willing to do that you that tell was the point got rules on a team but elric would say get the shot get the shot and then bartuzzi's gonna go out and get the shot okay great <laughs> good then that's nine more games we got Instead, he's indulging in some very risky human behavior. I do like Bjork.
that, Sean? Your mic's on. It <laughs> goes right over you. I, I don't know. I thought the song was still playing. I took a walk around the block and I came back and it was still playing. Oh, that was a short song. But I'm dying to hear the justification. I'm a slow walker. As to how that fits in the new wave. Because there's a lot of shit going on today and we like Bjork. That's a great, oh, great explanation. Okay. I love that. Yeah, we do like Bjork. We like Iceland. What's left of it? <laughs> what, the warming. show or Bjork? Global warming. Global warming. Oh. I'm thinking of the glaciers, but I'm talking about the country, but that's okay. Um, it's a glacial country. Um, we will be sending an autographed copy of uh, the Gutenberg Bible, one of the original ones, to anybody who can pronounce Bjork's last name. Just call 313-288-9070. That's Butterfield 89070 and leave that pronunciation and we will get that uh, that priceless tome to you um, uh, eventually. So, Is this is this how you pronounce it again? Björk. Björk Guðmundsdóttir. Guðmundsdóttir. Huh? No? Did they leave that message on their voicemail? No. Okay, then it is qualified. Björk Guðmundsdóttir. Clear as day, right? The offer is void. Thanks, Mark, for ruining an opportunity for someone to, to end up with a precious artifact. You have one of those? Let's just move on. Right. How do we donate? How do we buy? Oh, these are questions that are so hard to answer. What's the feedback? Uh, Bryant uh, was kind enough to support this show, although we're giving less reason every week. And we have a, a belated thanks to William, who wrote after Sean fessed up to his inflexibility. This is a physical inflexibility, not an intellectual one. I don't have any show. at all. He said, hamstrings. Might I suggest the next time ML is not available for the podcast that Sean could do an entire episode about hamstrings? To which I say, we couldn't do any worse. So look forward to that in the future. Um, we have some great feedback that we're, we've been overdoing getting, getting to. Estelle writes, good morning, Michael. Last time she called me ML, so I don't know why we're so formal now. I heard you say we can FOIA Great Lakes Water Authority salaries. I'm aware. But Gliwa salaries are not just something a single person should uncover. Things like this ought to be public record for the masses to consume and know. Amen. It seems like Newsroom have a wink-wink deal to keep this sort of public employee salary info suppressed and away from the public's eyes. They know full well it'd be a big story if merely the top 25 salaries at Gliwa were put in an article so many fat cat freeloaders in this region. I'm so tired of it. All this money we're soaked for while our quality of life declines. Nobody answers phones. Infrastructure is deplorable. City and county services are practically non-existence. Yours in dismay, Estelle. So, yes, it would be great if we had more reporters, but one of the reasons we don't is because people aren't paying for news. So please subscribe to debtnews.com. And if you have to, freep.com, because they don't really cover something. <laughs> I realize you did that for me. But, um, yeah. Looks like you want to subsidize some foolish stuff. Michael's not listening, I guess. Looks like Estelle sending out the back signal for Councilman mm. Elric. I'm not sure. But but here's the thing about, about this. Yes, reporters can get this information, but the public is empowered. We don't have any special rights or privilege to get this information, so there's nothing stopping folks from doing it. I'm not saying the media doesn't have a uh, responsibility to get this information. I'm saying, please, folks, use your power to get information out, too. And I also will tell you, I would be stunned if there was a conspiracy by the media to keep this quiet. And you know why? Because if there was a conspiracy by the media to keep this quiet, it would end up on the it front be page. Quiet, yeah. Because there's no, these, these jokers couldn't pull off a conspiracy any more than most of our elected officials can because Bellotta used to catch them. 
and now he's going to release him. <laughs> Boy, that happened fast. But no, he, he, as, as you hear from a lot of defense attorneys, they view their role as helping their client deal with a difficult situation, making sure that law enforcement does things the right way because the most serious thing you can do is deprive someone of their freedom and their property. And so we got to make sure it's done the right way and that everybody has a fair and adequate defense. Is that not so? Good, good people, bad decisions. Good people, wow. bad decisions. I don't know. If you're stealing from one of the poorest cities in the country, you ain't a good person. It's a bad decision, but you could be a flaming bag of dog shit. I don't know. We'll have to. We'll, we'll talk about that in a future show. Uh, Lisa inquires. There'll the, be future shows? Not so sure after today. It's Sean's hamstring hour next week on this channel. Uh, Lisa inquires. Or you're a for Mackinac. I guess that'd be good, They too. clearly pressured the equipment guy to tweet this. How uncomfortable. And she sends a link to Dexter Belcher at Dex57, who says, all love for my boy at D square 10, nothing like a Jersey swap after a hard fought battle. And attached is a photo of the equipment manager for the Kentucky Wildcats football team exchanging oh. a Jersey with the equipment managers or for the equipment managers long sleeve t-shirt. Lisa goes on to say, if Sean is on the pod, I'd like to know what he thinks of this viral shove of the innocent equipment kid. I'm not on the pod. I'll tell you, it was horseshit. The guy's an asshole for yeah, shoving the kid. It's all just yeah, no. a mistake. Uh, no, here's what I think. I hope human I, behavior like Bjork couldn't go. I hope that the uh, the coach or the athletic department disciplines. Him. Absolutely, that's what I hope. No, and if, Who, should, the, if, the player. If, if people didn't see it, the player, you know, the play went off to the sideline, and the player kept he runs running. up to him, and he stopped, and he just shoves the equipment. And instead of just, yeah, and for the, whatever reason, like she pointed out, that should have been a penalty or something. I don't know if you can call that a penalty on his own team on his own. You should have to lose some equipment, probably. <laughs> yeah, play without a helmet. Gave up a jersey. <laughs> okay. I just, I don't know. I saw that. I'm like, what an asshole. And then hear the guy come out to say, no, everything's fine. We're totally cool. Because what else is he going to say? You know, it's just a bad position to put that guy yeah, in. Yeah, no, it was, yeah, it was not cool at all. But you're right. Penalize him. Yeah. That, yeah, he needs to be, yeah. something needs to happen. You can't just treat people like that. Unless so, you're Mike. So just, just if you're keeping score at home, if you push an equipment manager, you will pay the consequences. If you do just about anything else, Sean says it's all right. Just, just human behavior. Kelly asks. No, I'm with Mr. Mr. Bolada, a if you steal, that doesn't mean you're an absolute dog shit person, like you said. Was that the was that the quote, or is it horse shit? If you steal from poor people, you are not a good person. We you just don't know. I mean, you should pay for it. And you if made you that's steal, a bad decision. If you steal from poor people, you are not. People a good steal person. all the time. Sometimes for when greed. Steal, sometimes out of desperation. When, when you steal yeah, from what about poor Jean, people, Jean Valjean. Yeah. He didn't steal from poor people. He stole from. Yeah, uh, if you recall, he stole from the bishop's manor. They're not thinking and, about no, poor people. They're not. They're not no, thinking about any individual. Well, when you're a public official, that's you should be thinking you. about poor people, that's great and you should be you. thinking about them first. That's great for you on a campaign trail, and that's great. No, that's bullshit. Don't even bring that over here. If you're a public servant and you don't care about poor people, you don't deserve to serve. That's not a campaign statement. I'm not saying that's you not do my deserve feeling to care. As a I'm saying you can fuck that's up, my feeling and it doesn't mean you're evil. Can we get Robert I'm saying this as someone no, who's sick never. of people taking advantage of the disadvantaged. When you are paid $90,000 by the people you serve and then you steal from them, you are not a good Listen person. Listen to the prosecutor over here. The prosecutor. He's not the prosecutor now. Now he's a defense oh, attorney. Oh, I see. I see. I see. He'll tell you that he's not the prosecutor. He's a defense that. attorney. It's fine. Stay in your black and white world. I'm going to stay in my gray one. Let me ask you this. Do you think they think they're stealing from poor people when they take a bribe from a, a big deal? Michael? Bellotta? 
Yeah. Um, I don't think they think about it. Isn't it, isn't, they, isn't they, it much of a crime of opportunity? They may think they're taking idiot. money from a rich corporation who will never feel it. It's just a, a it's just taking a sure. A, it doesn't make it right, but it exactly. It's not. I don't. Well, think of course, it's, it's not right. As simple as stealing from poor exactly. People. But of course, it's not right. But you're right. I mean, that's a that's a abhorrent thing to do. But you know, more things make up a person than one bad mistake or yeah. Like, what if everybody had their worst five moments? Like. Put on a website. You could just look at the website and see everybody's. Today would be one of them for my company. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For me, this is that will like, be on a website. By far, my worst appearance ever anywhere. So <laughs> <laughs> like, this would probably be number and one. Yeah, you you stay, think, which I'm impressed yeah, with. You know, yeah. I'm a glutton. Um, but <laughs> but I, uh, if we found that your other four moments involve stealing from people, you will not be welcome back. How about that? But stealing their hearts, maybe. <laughs> okay. I see we've stayed too long. <laughs> the perfect way to sum it up. Did you ever steal a bit of honey or anything like that? <laughs> Not even a bit. Jock, <laughs> jocked a box of milk duds when you forgot to bring your wallet. Okay, listen, if you want to hear some really good podcasting, obviously you have to turn somewhere else. That would be Charlie Duff's No BS News Hour or the Drew and Mike podcast. I think that's plain enough. Uh, with the relain- remaining breath I have, um, I will just ask for mercy and for Cyrus to take us out. Can you dig that? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? And there, ladies and gentlemen, you have the solution to our mystery. Thank you, Miss for serving as our guest armchair detective this evening. As mementos of the occasion, I have for you a copy of my latest mystery anthology, The Kwame Sutra. And what's for next week? Now, next week... Oh, by the way, are you interested in cards? Cards? You mean bridge, poker, and such? Well, I... Well, it isn't about cards, even though I call it... One Diamond. soul of Detroit. Saying goodnight until next week and enlisting all Americans every night and every day in the fight against bad citizenship, bigotry, and discrimination. The crimes which are weakening America. (laughs) 